We are finishing up a series we've entitled God Dreams. God Dreams. I've entitled uh, this morning, Dead or Alive. I tried to get some Bon Jovi music, but I didn't get it in time. I apologize. Um, we're talking about dreams because I feel like, and, and this is kind of a, a, an unction from the Lord, that it's time for us to dream again. I think the pandemic and COVID and the, and the fogginess of the future, we kind of had to pull reins on that. And um, I feel like just stirring in my spirit that as, as a collective congregation, it's time for us to dream. But as individuals, as families, it's time for us to dream again. Now, that, that's going to mean some things. In, in as we dream, we're dreaming about an upgrade to our building, which desperately needs it, right? That's a dream of ours. It's a dream that Pastor Mike had a couple decades ago, right, Pastor Mike? Amen. And we're, and we're going to step into that and have to raise money and, and believe God to do that. Um, but there's dreams in your heart that God's put there a long time ago. Uh, maybe dreams that have died. Maybe dreams that are delayed. And the question I, I kind of want to think about this morning is, why, are, why do our dreams die? Or why are they delayed? Um, on a Sunday morning in 2020 in a suburb of Detroit, Michigan, a family, the Beauchamp family, called 911 as a family member of theirs, Tamisha, was unresponsive. When paramedics arrived, they attempted to revive her for 30 minutes to no effect, and she was declared dead. Put into a body bag, and Tamisha was taken to the local funeral home. A few hours later, the embalmer unzipped the bag to find a lady with her eyes open and breathing. She was alive. Some of us this morning have had dreams that we've zipped up and put away, declared dead, and God has said they ain't dead yet. And it's time for us to, though difficult, Lord, help us believe again. Hebrews 11 is where we'll be this morning, verse 8 through 22. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in a land of promise as, a, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward, he was dreaming about a city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, as many as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, 
dead. But having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land for which they had gone out, they would, not have, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to, to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who had received the promise, was in the act of offering him up his own son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of the staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Father, help us this morning have hope against hope to believe. Amen. When God called Abraham, he was 75. Where are you this morning? 75 and told him that he would father many nations only to wait 25 years for the son of promise and then to be asked to sacrifice that son. We see Abraham having to deal with delay and death to dreams. So this morning, let's examine some of the reasons why our dreams die or are delayed. Number one, there's a throne problem. There are two types of throne problems. We see the first here, that Abraham, waiting long enough, he thought, and Isaac, we've waited long enough, let's, let's find the promise another way. Let's, let's step outside the bounds that God has put for our benefit and our good, and let's fulfill the promise another way. And they had a son named Ishmael. And we see in Genesis chapter 17 that, that Abraham lobbies with God to bless Ishmael. He said, I'm going to give you a son in a year. He's 24 years into waiting. He said, God, it's too late. Just bless Ishmael. And, and God said, no, I won't. I will not bless this dream. It's going to die. And so Abraham dies to a dream. We see this in, in the Tower of Babel. There's a new technology. We can move from stones to bricks. We can really, the sky is the limit, literally. Let's build to God and make a name for ourselves. This, this dream was not God's dream. He said, fill the earth, spread out, subdue it. And so that dream died and God dispersed the people. See, sometimes dreams die because they're supposed to die. They're not God's dream for you. We've all had dreams like that. I was gonna be a professional football player. The closest thing I got was miscommunicating in a sermon one time that I did play by accident. I didn't even mean to say it. And the guy came up to me after and said, what team did you play for? That's the closest I've ever been. <laughs> I said, like, what are you talking about? You said you played for the NFL. Oh, no, no, I didn't. That's not what I meant. <laughs> so 
Sometimes our dreams have to die because they're not God's dreams. Pastor Jim Critcher did an amazing job of dealing with this, so I'm not going to lean into that. But if you want to hear more about that, about how your dreams want to die, you got to listen to that sermon. Yes, yes, yes. It was really good. Will we dream God's dream or our own? Will we do it God's way or our own? Will we worship? And this is the second type of throne problem we see is that Abraham offers up Isaac not because that he's not the dream, but because we, each one of us, have this danger of turning the dream into God. That we worship the dream more than the dream giver. We worship the dream and the promise and the vision and the hope more than the God of hope, more than the God of the dream, because we want what we want. You gave it to me, God. He said, yes, Abraham, I gave it to you, but if you don't lay it down, it will destroy you and your son because he will not live under the expectations you're going to put on him. Each parents in this room, we all have that temptation to worship and to, to put unreasonable expectations on the next generation. We have to lay them down before the Lord and let the Lord lift them up. That's number one, we have a throne problem. That's why dreams die, not because they don't need to be resurrected, but because for our own soul, we need to lay them before the Lord so that he breathes life into them and we realize this is about him, not about me. A second reason why dreams die this morning or are delayed is a tool problem. When I was a boy, I had two grandfathers. Both of them passed away when I was maybe middle, middle school, early high school. One was a Corps Army engineer, very meticulous. We'd go to do something. He would have a project. He'd have a dream, and it would take him about five hours to get ready, you know, lay out the tools, write out the plan. We got to do it. You know, as a young kid, you're like, by the time he gets ready to go, I don't even want to go. My other grandfather had a shop in the back. They were part of the, the greatest generation where if you didn't fix things with your hands, you weren't a man, right? And so we'd go out to his garage and he'd have a, a vision, a dream, and we'd work and he'd lift up a tool. I remember him lifting up a tool one time. It was so rusty, it wouldn't even move, like a socket wrench. I'm like, we're gonna have to go get a new tool, grandpa. He says, no, nah, boy. You know, they didn't throw away anything. So he threw it in this pot or whatever, some liquid, let it sit there for a few hours, pulled it out, took some liquid wrench or some WD-40. He's spraying this thing down. He's manhandling this thing. And then it starts to move just a little bit. He works it some more. It starts to move some more. And about a couple hours in, that thing looked brand new. He's working, oh, boy, you wanted to throw this thing away. Look at this. You know? He's working that thing. Sometimes the dream appears to die or delay, not because God has given up on it, but he's taking the time to clean you, the vessel, so that he might use you for the dream. Man, I was so busted and broken. I was that dirty tool. Nothing. I couldn't have fixed a thing. And God said, man, get in this campus ministry. Just sit there for years. Let, this, let somebody just work on you. Spray you down, hose you down, clean you up. Work you down, move you. Oh, there's a little bit of movement. There's a little bit of life. Just work it, work it. Why? I'm preparing you for the dream. 
I'm doing something in you. This delaying is not about the dream, it's about you. If I give you this dream too early, you'll destroy it. We see that in Israel. In the promised land. Let me let you wander in the wilderness to get out this doubt and this unbelief, this complaining, negative spirit, because if you carry this into your promised land, it'll turn into a desert. God is doing something in us, in the delaying, to prepare us for the dream. We see this in Moses. He's 40 years old. He gets a revelation of who he is. He, God told him his destiny. You're a deliverer. You're a deliverer, Moses. First guy he sees doing injustice to his people, he kills him, buries him right in there. Right? God, somebody sees it. He has to run for his life for, for 40 years dealing with his temper problem, one that followed him his whole life, by the way. Dealt with his pride problem. God molding this man down to size so that he could build him up and use him for his glory. It's funny when, when just remember the call of Moses. I want you to take these disgruntled folk who have been in bondage for 400 years. I want you to bring them into the promised land. And then for 40 years before that, he put him in the wilderness in Moab to herd sheep around the wilderness for a long period of time to find water, to find food, to find nourishment. I wonder if he used those same skills. In fact, when he said, I can't do this, what did God say? What's in your hand? A staff. What did he use that for? Herding sheep? I wonder if he was going to herd a million people across the wilderness. Yes. See, sometimes God doesn't just form your character, but he forms the very skills you're going to need in the waiting for your next season. There are middle schoolers and high, high schoolers in this room. There's a vision. Maybe there's a goal. There's a dream. We're going to win states, or, or we're going to get this, or, or we're going to do that. I'm going to win this award, or I'm going to go this where, this place, and we don't get there, but maybe in the suffering to get there, you're producing the endurance. You're producing the hard work, the attention to detail, the teamwork you're going to need for your next season. Way more significant than maybe a state title. See, there's dreams in your heart that might be from the Lord, but they might be too small. What about you this morning? What, God, God, what are you doing? What are you trying to do in me in this process so that I might become the vessel that you need for the next season. There's a, there's a prayer there, amen? What are you developing in me? What, what tools are you trying to pull out of me so that you might help me do what you're asking me to do? See, God never wastes a season. God, we are some complaining folks. We are some complaining folks. Me, the foremost. It's, it's, my, it's on my strength finders. Complainer. <laughs> Top five, restorative, belief, 
Complainer. I'm real good at it. But God, when we stop complaining and we stop blaming, then we can step back and say, okay, God, what are you trying to do with this? Amen? Sometimes it's not just a throne problem. It's not just a tool problem. Sometimes it's a thread and tapestry. Look at this picture we have of Abraham and Isaac. Do we have that up there in this tapestry? This is in... um, Glasgow, Scotland, it's the, the Burrow Collection. I think they have over 200, collect, 200 tapestries. It's one of the, the largest tapestry collections in the world. And we have here, I don't know if that Latin or something, but that's Abraham, and that's Isaac. And see the angel just saying, stop. See that? I love how back in the day, boy, they just, it looks like this. The angel's just going to pinch the sword, right? And we have this moment, right? God saving Abraham and Isaac. And there's the tapestry, and there's, that's what we see. But what we fail to see is show the next photo. There's a bigger tapestry. There's the, the entire Old Testament up there. That God's telling a story that Abraham and Isaac are a significant part of, but it's way bigger than them. And so many times we get discouraged in the waiting or the dying of a dream because we think that it's all about us. It's way bigger than that. I mean, look at that. I mean, just Adam and Eve. I love how Adam comes out of, Eve comes out of the side of Adam up there at the top left. I, just, I don't even know how that works. Just right out of the side. But there it is, right? And, there's, and God's telling this story. We get so fixated on our life and our 80 years and what God's doing right here. And God's saying, man, I'm doing something so much bigger. You're a thread in the tapestry. In our culture that celebrates the individual, which has its advantages, sometimes we forget that we are only part of a very large and multi-generational story. That, that not only is what God doing in your life only a blip in what he's doing around the world, but what God is doing in our generation is only a blip what he's, what he's doing throughout human history. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, David has been blessed by God. He unites the kingdom. God's... Glory comes on a poet, shepherd, warrior king, right? His name is David and God unites the tribes and he brings unparalleled peace and expansion of the the kingdom of Israel and the promised land. And and David begins this, you know, when you get peace, you build a house. That's what you do. And so there's peace and David builds himself a house. And then he starts to realize, he got a little convicted, saw his big house, looked down at the, the tabernacle tent and he's like, oh, this ain't right. God's dwelling in a tent, and I've got this big house. I'm going to build you a house, God, like no one's ever seen. And Nathan's nearby, and he says, man, do what's in your heart, because as a prophet, you know, yeah, man, we need a house. About time we got a place, you know. Do what's in your heart, David, and he goes home. And on his way home, God says, turn back around, go tell David he ain't doing it. Sorry, what? Back in the day when prophets prophesy bad things, they die. So he's turning around. He goes back to David. He says, it's not for you. You can't do it. It's going to be for your son. Because the vision and the dream that I'm giving you is generational. Now, 
if David has a short-sighted understanding of God's dream for his own life and the world, then he would miss his assignment in the process. David realizes that the dream God gave him was the dream from God. It just wasn't him to fulfill. And so what does he do? He starts amassing all this wealth. They said that, that when they started counting it, they, they had to stop counting. There was so much like copper and bronze and silver and gold. I mean, I remember being a kid sitting on the floor. I had this big jar of coins, right? And you just start counting. This back, is this back when we had payment, you know, hard money. And you, you sit down and you just took your money and you just started counting, man. You want to know how wealthy you were. You had like $3.27. And you were like counting it, right? But you know, I never got to the place where I'm like, I'm tired of counting all this money. It's too much. No, you counted it to the end. Might take days. You stack it up so you can count it faster. There's 100 pennies. There's 200 pennies. The whole floor would be coated with money. Why? Because you wouldn't know how much you had. David said, I stopped counting. It, got, it was just a lot. And he's amassing this wealth. And then he said, man, if Solomon's going to do this, he's going to need alliances with other kingdoms because we don't have what we need to build this type of temple. And so he starts building alliances with other countries. See, David sets the stage for Solomon to fulfill the dream with the finances, with the relationships. Then when Solomon comes on the throne, he's like, hey, Haman, can I have blah, blah, blah? From, can I get those cedars from Lebanon, please? And he's like, here they come. Why? Because it's been paved way for the generations before. See, the dreams that God puts in our hearts aren't always about us, but it's preparing the vision for the next generation. Now, Pastor Mike and I haven't had this conversation, but Pastor Mike is a man of faith and a dreamer. So I just have a feeling 32 years in, he saw something different, Right? Something maybe more grandiose, bigger, more impact. Not to say that what God's done through the church is, is minuscule by any stretch, but I know the kind of man of faith Pastor Mike is. But maybe the dreams that God was putting in his heart, I won't even see. But I can set up the next generation to fulfill the dream. Maybe it's for our kids' kids and, and young people who haven't even been born yet to walk in to the grace of God and what God wants to do in our city, on our campus, and the nations of the earth. It's a bigger dream. Hebrews eleven thirteen. these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Sorry, I don't know if y'all call it that. These all died, every one of them, in faith not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeting them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. See, they're seeing something that this side of glory they won't even touch, but they stayed in faith. It's a tapestry problem. We're seeing too small, see on a bigger scale. If the, if the dream God has put in your hearts is from him, not even death itself can keep it from coming to pass. The men and women of old never saw the fulfillment of the promise, but they pushed to the dream, for the dream, believing God, setting up the next generation. That's why we love young people in this church. It's because we know that what God's calling this church to become 
might not happen in our generation. We're planting seeds. We're, we're creating uh, facilities. We are investing finances so that they might become who God's called them to become. Amen? To dream again. The last reason I want to highlight this, this morning why dreams are delayed or dying is timing. Amen? Timing. In 1985, an English singer-songwriter named Kate Bush wrote a song called Running Up That Hill. It received uh, greater notoriety in the UK, but plateaued in the US at number 30 in the US Billboard Top 100. Now this past summer, wildly popular hit show on Netflix called Stranger Things featured the song in season four released this past summer. The song has reached the top of the charts in over eight countries and made it all the way to number three in the U.S. From May to August, this song has been streamed 86.6 million times, more than any other song. It came out in 1985. The timing just wasn't right. 37 years later, 37 years later from its original. What's the point? Sometimes the timing and the context and the technology isn't quite right for the dream. That doesn't mean it's not coming. Joseph ha had a dream that his brothers and his mom and dad would bow to him. Maybe there was some character, right, that God wanted to form in him, some humility. He said, man, I just had a dream, y'all. Y'all bowing to me. Praise God. I saw it, young twerp. We're gonna put you in. I want to put you in the hole, brother. Sold into slavery, prison, humble a man, and prepare him. But in the right time, he rises to power in a time that his family would desperately need him. The timing wasn't right. Genesis 15 says to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land and I'm going, to, I'm going to give it to you, all of it. And this is what he says at the end. He says, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. What does that mean? I don't know exactly what that means. It has some pretty deep implications. But I do know this. Timing wasn't right. Timing wasn't right. Abraham waited 25 years. Isaac waited 20 God's timing is not ours. He has a greater perspective. This morning, you might be waiting. Don't lose heart. Don't lose faith. Don't lose hope because God is doing something in you. If it's not from the Lord, we time to lay it down. If it is from the Lord, we got to see, Lord, what are you trying to do in me in the process? What tools are you trying to give me? What are you trying to do? Lord, help me see a bigger picture. Help me not, the, the dream not just be about me, but my kids' kids, setting them up. Or if you're on campus, it's not just about me serving God at college. It's about setting up the future freshmen to have a community so that when they step on campus, they see a living God that defies the culture. It's bigger. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this. It says, 
looking to Jesus, right after all this in faith stuff, they didn't receive what was promised, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, there was a vision, there was a dream, there was a joy in his heart to be with his creation, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And let me just bring in Michelle, let me just bring in Hannah, let me just bring in uh, the glory, all my creation into this Eternal community, that would be the joy. But you know what had to happen? Tears and blood. Tears and blood. Not ours, but his. Jesus Christ died so that we might be united with him. There was a vision, but there had to be death. In all of this, we see this from Abraham, Isaac has to die. We see it in Moses, the lamb has to die. We see it in Esther, the scepter has to put out or you will die. You are taking your life in your own hands. God brings life through death. And he did it for all time in his son Jesus, who was God in the flesh, dying for you and I's sins, tears and blood. God, is there another way? God, could there be another way? Lord, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to face hell. Can you do it another way? But not my will, your will be done. Tears and blood, the dream that God has was bought for us with his blood. I don't know why we have to wait, and I don't know why certain dreams have to die. I'm giving us some possibilities, but ultimately we won't know until we see him. But here's what we do know. We serve a God who will shed tears and his blood for our good, for our good for our good. I don't know why, but I can trust that God. I can trust that God. If you're waiting this morning, or maybe something's died in you that will never be re resurrected this side of glory. I don't know why, but I know that he's good. He shed his tears for you. He shed his blood. He gave his life. I can trust that God. I'm not just, just trust God, brother. Just trust God, sister. No, trust the God who would die in your place. Trust Jesus. Lay at his feet. He'll cry with you. He'll hold you. Amen? He'll hold you. He'll mourn with you. He'll rejoice with you. And they're usually together. God is a good God, worthy of glory, faithful to the end, dying for my sins, raising to life, giving me hope that no matter what I'm experiencing, this side of glory, he is good to the end. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning. Lord, I thank you that we have a God who would step into our hurt and our pain, our confusion, our doubts, our accusations, that you would step into our world and suffer with us. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Lord, every one of us have sickness of heart for the dreams that you put in our lives and in our minds and in our souls. But you didn't stay distant. You stepped into our pain. You suffered for us and you suffer with us. Romans 8, 28 comes to mind this morning that 
God works all things together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You could even say his dream. When we dream God's dream, he'll work it out for our good. If not this side of glory, into all eternity. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in here this morning and you're dealing with the loss of dream, the loss of hope, and you just need some prayer this morning, you need God to meet you where you are in your pain, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. All over this room. Nobody's looking around. Just lift your hand, palms up to the Lord. Let him minister to you this morning. King Jesus, come. Be present with our brothers and sisters who are hurting. Hold them like only a father can hold them. Give them hope again. Help them trust you. In Jesus' name. Let's just wait on the Lord right where you are. See if the Lord wants to speak something to you this morning. says that the end of a matter is better than its beginning. And God sees exactly where you are and he knows far greater what you need 
yourself now. It may seem like the hounds of hell live in your soul every day. God's heart greater. The enemy's ability to come against you is nothing in comparison yeah. to God's faithfulness to lift you. His grace to be sufficient for you. His power to help you in perfecting your weakness, that which is your victory. I can tell you story after story of 25 years of coming here to this city, my wife and I pastoring pioneering a church where I was reading the one ads <laughs> on a daily basis and just reading them over and just like, God, okay, I think we need to uh, punt. It's fourth and long. We need to punt. Uh, it's just over. I quit more times than I can count. And the one thing throughout this series that I've just had in my heart, if I could tell you one thing, is God never quits on you. Yeah. He never quits. Yes. When you're at your lowest low, when you're, when it's dark, there's a great scripture that says, let him who walks in darkness and has no light, let him trust in the name of the Lord and let him rely upon his God. I can't tell you how many times God grabbed me and picked me up and said, it's going to be all right. Just keep moving one day at a time, one step at a time. And sometimes that's all we have the capacity for, it feels like. Yeah. It's just, a, dear God, if I can just put one foot in front of the other. And you know, God doesn't expect you to be something you're not. He knows you. And sometimes all you have to do is just put one foot in front of the other. That's all God has. Just get up, put one foot in front of the other. And it's amazing what, when I would do that in my life, it was incredible what God would do. Yeah. Exceeding abundantly beyond anything I could ask yeah. for. Blake said is true. Um, I can remember hearing a worship night. Um, this is a few years before we transitioned our leadership. And uh, I just, God opened my eyes and showed me a vision of where we were going. But I knew it was not going to be in my tenure here leading the church because it was so big. And the vision, I literally broke and just started weeping. I thought, holy cow. I did pray in that moment, Lord, I would love to see that in my lifetime. Yeah. Because it was a revival that God was going to do around the world that I was just, it was overwhelming. And I don't know when or what that's going to look like, but I did pray, just selfishly speaking, Lord, I would love to see that in my lifetime. I may not, I don't know. But I want to encourage you today, 
God's always faithful. Yeah. And He's always there. All you have to do is show up. The only thing that the biggest dream quitter, killer, is quitting. That's your biggest dream killer. Quitting. Because God never quits on us. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Thank you, Pastor Mike. We serve a God who raises the dead. We serve a God who raises the dead. He can raise dead dreams. He makes dead things beautiful. Put it in his hands this morning. Put it in his hands tomorrow morning. Put it in his hands every day. Trust him with it. Let's watch what God will do in our midst. Amen. Lord, I pray for this church. Help us to walk in the purpose of God. Lord, anything that's in our lives that we're holding on to that's not from you, we do pray it dies so that you can give us greater things that are of you that are eternal. We trust you. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand this morning? Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. Um, we are going to start, I guess we have this Wednesday, the next Wednesday is uh, our worship night, and the Wednesday after we're starting our Preparing for Victory weekend. If you want to be a part of that weekend with us, November 4th and 5th, you need to go through that Bible study material beforehand. And so we have a different ways that you can do that. You can look on our app to do that. But that, those, uh, that material is in our resource center. You can pick that up this morning and start going through it if you'd like. We want to see us all walk in the victory of God. Amen? Amen. Turn around and greet someone. Tell them you're glad they're here. We'll see you next week.